0: You a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is common sense on social justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now here's the host of common sense on social justice, Michael Davis. Thank you so much again for joining us. I am so glad you're here as we continue to journey together uh, in this pursuit of. Creating a just society right where we are with what we have. Now, today we are talking about how we fit into everything. It can be a temptation as humans to think that, you know, somehow this issue of injustice started within my lifetime and I need to do something about it right here, right now. But we're going to look at how we actually fit into the whole story of what God is doing. The fact is we are so addicted to immediate gratification as humans, especially now that we've got all this technology in our smartphones and our fingertips, uh, we're more addicted than ever to immediate gratification. And we get frustrated, for example, like when the internet is slow. I mean, how about 1997 trying to download one page of the internet? It would take a half hour just to download one page of the internet and now we have this, you know, instant Internet where we can download massive amounts of files within seconds. And it's getting faster every day. Instant gratification. And we get frustrated when it takes us just a few seconds longer to get something from the Internet. And this problem comes oh, spills over really into the work of social justice. We have come to believe that we must fix the problem Now of injustice, and that somehow this problem just started existing. It's like with racism. We act like racism is a new thing, and like it just started, and we've got to aggressively stomp it out now. While we want racism to end, and it should, the fact is it's been around for a very, very long time. Uh, The Egyptians in ancient times were very racist against Jews and And there was a lot of racism going on within the uh, land of Judea between the Jews and the um, uh, various tribes of people that lived in that before the Jews entered the land of Israel uh, after the Egyptian slavery. And then again, there's the issue of slavery. We act as though, wow, this is a new thing on the scene. It's been around forever. And it's not like... Uh, we don't want it to end now, we certainly do, but we got to understand there's something bigger and longer happening, bigger than us and bigger than our lifetime. We have come to believe that the fix of any problem has to happen now. We act uh, as if somehow magically the problem showed up on the scene and that we have magically shown up on the scene. And I see in a lot of these social warrior, social justice warrior uh, comments online and, and in these social justice movements in modern times that they act as though they are the ones with the absolute answer to a problem And it's like, you know, it's not like we haven't been trying to fight this problem for a long time. So today we're going to look a little bit at a broader picture of ourselves and our society and step back and get the big view. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39, in Hebrews chapter 11 in the Bible, we have this, this chapter of all these people throughout history who lived by faith, it mentions Enoch mentions uh, uh, the faith of Abel, the faith of Abraham, Moses, Isaac and Jacob and the, the early Christian martyrs and, and all these you know, people who lived their lives by faith in such a way that they, it says in Hebrews 11, verse 39, they did not receive the things promised. So in other words, they're serving God. They're being faithful in their time and place, uh, these people from ancient history. And yet they did not receive the things promised. They did not experience instant gratification. In fact, they experienced no gratification, at least as far as receiving what they were looking for. So to quote Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39, it says, And all these things, though well attested by their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had foreseen something better for us, so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. I want to unpack this a little bit, because this is huge. What it's saying is, we, there is something so much bigger than any of us. Notice it says they did not receive the things promised, even though these were saints. But God had foreseen something better for us, so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So the previous generations are being made perfect through the future generations. And to put it in our context, we then will be made perfect by future generations in other words god's telling a story god's creating a plan throughout history that is not focused on a single individual rather this plan includes all generations so god is is completing a task so to speak god is is doing an amazing work on the earth, but he's doing it from generation to generation so that each generation hopefully adds beauty to what the previous generation did. And hopefully each generation corrects the mistakes uh, each of the previous generation. So, you know, my generation made mistakes and we did some things really well. Hopefully the future generations will build on what we did really well. I'm a Gen Xer. And hopefully they will be able to correct some of the mistakes we made. And hopefully we as Gen Xers have created, been able to correct some of the mistakes, the baby boomers, our parents made. And hopefully we're building on some of the good things that the baby boomers accomplished. But what is happening is God is, is creating a story and no one generation is isolated apart from the previous generations. That's one of the downfalls of the cancel culture and the cancel culture, you've got the tearing down of statues. I saw that the statue of Robert E. Lee, the uh, Confederate general was, you know, torn down, melted down recently. That's not good. You say, well, the guy made a lot of bad decisions. Well, how are you going to learn from those if you erase his memory? You're like the saying says, you know, if you are ignorant of the past, then you're doomed to repeat the past. And so we want the statues to remain up of slave owners. We want the statues of good, of saints to remain up. We want all of it. Why? So we can observe and learn and know how we fit into the picture. And so God has ordained it so that none of us is the immediate answer to anything. Let me say that again. God has ordained it so that none of us is the immediate answer to anything. I think of Simone Weil, a great activist and professor, uh, back during the time of Nazi Germany and even before that, and she took a very long view of history. That She said, you know, the Nazis, she tried to warn the Germans, although she was French, she tried to warn the Germans, the Nazis are coming, they're going to take over. A lot of people didn't believe her. They thought the moderates would rule Germany, and obviously that didn't turn out to be so. And Simone Weil said, you know, we need to take a long view of history. And the long view of history is that empires come and go. So she said, yeah, the Egyptian empire. It was very powerful in its time, did a lot of destruction, but it came and it went. It's gone. The Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, all these are come and go. And she's like, you know, even the modern empires, they're here temporarily and they're renting. The empires pretend to own the earth, but as we can learn from history, the empires are merely renting space from the earth temporarily. And so she says, we're not called to subdue an empire, rather, we're called to be faithful and to see our part in doing what we can do in our moment with what we have to work with. Now, the question may come along then, but what do we do about the huge problems of oppression? Well, you are called to do nothing. You are called, and I am called, to love, to be faithful, and to serve in a small way. But none of us is the Savior. None of us is the Savior. I think of St. Barnabas. I had a few weeks ago did a, a podcast on his letter. Uh, that he had written to the early church, and St. Barnabas said, when thing, injustices become so big that there's nothing you can do about them, then work on your own soul. So you're called to love, to be faithful, we are, and to serve in a small way. Again, none of us is the Savior. I think of Corrie Ten Boom, who hid Jews in her house during the Nazi uh, reign, and she was faithful. Corey Timboom was faithful, but what she did in hiding a few Jews in her house, she what she did paled in comparison to the many Jews who died, anyways. So Corey Timboom did a great work of justice by saving the lives of a few Jews. But it paled in comparison to the many Jews who died anyways. So why would Corey Ten Boom then do what she did? Because she took a long view of the situation and realized this is how I can create a just society right where I'm at. I can't do anything about the big picture. And a lot of people are asking, what do we do about this conflict in in Russia and in U- between Russia and Ukraine, between Israel and Palestine and Hamas? What do we do? Nothing. There's nothing you can do. I was talking to a friend this week and he was asking me, you know, what do we do about the situation? I can't figure out what I'm supposed to do. And I said, nothing. I said, you can pray. But I, I challenged my friend. if there was no mass media and you had no television, no radio, like, the ancient peoples, I mean, you know, before 150 years ago, humans didn't have mass media and televisions and radio, newspapers. They had local papers, but not international papers. So I asked him, if he had no access to any of the information that's going on around the world, what would you know about the war between Israel and Hamas? And he said, I wouldn't know it was going on. I said, exactly exactly. I said, you know, take the ancient Native Americans. You've got the Native Americans living on the Willamette River uh, in what is today Oregon. Back in, you know, 700 years ago, if a massive hurricane came ashore in what's now Louisiana, would the Native Americans living in the Northwest have known that hurricane came to the southeastern part of the continent? And he said no. No. And I said, they didn't need to know that that hurricane hit that area. And so, sure, you know, the positive thing is because of mass media, if we see, for example, hurricane hits or this conflict, yeah, we can go and offer humanitarian aid. But even in that, we have to take a very humble view of ourselves and realize I'm not really doing all that much. But what I am doing is I'm doing what I'm called to do, and that is to love, to be faithful, and to serve in a small way. That's all that's asked. You see, we are part of an ancient history. Our life now is not existing for or determined by the immediate. We are part of an ancient history. You and I are just a little blip. In the middle of a large and eternal history. Now, I want you to do something for me for a moment. I want you to observe zebras. Yes, you heard me right. Observe zebras. None of them stand out. You look at a pack of zebras, and none of them stand out. They all look exactly the same in the face. You know, you look at animals. You know, you look at a group of tigers, they all look the same. You can't say, oh, there's Joe and there's Bob and there's, you know, whatever. You can't pick them out. But in a pack of zebras, none of them stands out, and they are content with that. Being unnoticed is the ideal for a zebra, because if I'm unnoticed, then I'm not going to get eaten today. (laughs) But the same with us as humans, we need to be content with being unnoticed. Because when we become noticed, positive things can happen. We could have a positive influence with being noticed, but then there's very much a risk of us falling into pride and corruption when we get too noticed. You know, you look at the saints, the saints were invisible. Jesus was invisible for many years, and he tried to remain visible throughout his public ministry. You see, Times of him escaping and hiding from the crowds. The saints and Jesus himself, they were, they desired to be invisible so that God's work could be seen, not them. You know, saints, including St. Paul himself, came to the point of desiring nothingness. St. James states in the Bible that we are just a mist that comes and then it disappears and is forgotten. You know, even the famous people. If you're a baby boomer listening to this, think of the famous people in Hollywood when you were a child. Very famous, very well-known, very sought-out actors and actresses in Hollywood when you were a child. And now, you know, most of them are long dead. And the young generation has no clue they ever existed. Their life came like a mist. They made a little bit of noise while they were here, and then they disappeared and are forgotten. And so we want to make sure that we're, we're doing what we're doing for the glory of God. Realizing that God has this eternal plan that he's working out, and this eternal plan does not revolve around you or me or any group, but rather it includes all people of all time. Now, I'm going to say this out loud, okay? In the arena of social justice, there are too many loudmouths. Too many who want to be noticed, but in true social justice is hiddenness. And by the way, I will say this, there is the hiddenness of the neighborhood. Think about this. I'm constantly compelling you to create a just society right in your neighborhood. And if you do that, you're not going to be all that noticed because people outside the neighborhood, you know, it's, it's always the people in the news. They're like screaming and yelling. They're the ones that get noticed. It's not the faithful people. And there's lots of them I've met over the years, just faithful people who are really working out justice, if they would get noticed, then maybe society would like, oh, yeah, that's the answer to homelessness, you know, because that one neighborhood is figuring out how to effectively serve the homeless in their neighborhood and to allow the homeless to come to the table in their neighborhood or whatever it is, whatever the issue may be. But these people are not noticed. They're living in the hiddenness of the neighborhood. One time, Mother Teresa was in the United States getting a bunch of attention and accolades, and I don't remember if she spoke before Congress, but she was getting all kinds of attention in the United States. And it was, it was interesting to me that she stated that all she wanted was to get back to the slums in India. You see, there's the hiddenness of the saints. And in this... Hiddenness is true greatness. Now you may say, but Michael, I don't feel like I'm making much of a difference. Good. (laughs) Good. Then maybe if you're not making much of a difference, you will stay humble and not see your own greatness. I doubt sitting in a Roman prison cell, St. Paul felt like he was making much of a difference. In fact, the writings we have of St. Paul in the Bible are him trying to correct some serious problems with the churches he planted. He must have thought, good grief, I laid my life down, I took beatings, was arrested, put in prison, all this... To plant these churches only for them to turn against me and to, you know, have all these issues. So St. Paul probably didn't think he was making much of a difference. John the Baptist probably did not think he was making much of a difference. But John, what was John the Baptist's motto? It was, he, Christ, must increase and I must decrease. So he was okay with that. John the Baptist was okay with being unnoticed. And maybe, just maybe, if you feel like you're not making much of a difference, maybe you will learn to see the greatness of God and realize that in your weakness is God's greatness being made manifest, just in ways that you don't see right now. In fact, I know many saints who were unknown in their lifetime and they wrote amazing writings, And those writings only became known after the saint died and was off the scene. Maybe God was working humility in them, says, you know, I'm going to use you in a huge way. But for the sake of humility, I'm going to allow you to be used in a huge way after you're dead. It could be that. You know, I think of Jesus coming to bring true justice and salvation. And what did they do with him? They crucified him. I think of Martin Luther King Jr. bringing justice for minorities, especially for black people. And what did they do with him? They assassinated him. I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who brought justice for so many Jews in Nazi Germany. And what did they do with Dietrich Bonhoeffer? They executed him. You see, all these great people disappeared from the earth, and it was only after their death that their effect rocked the planet. I could think of many other examples, but may we let go of the idea that we are so important. May we realize the truth that we fit into a massively eternal story for which we play a small part. May we serve faithfully as we create a just society right where we are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com.